Welcome to the Limitless Wrestling Podcast, the official podcast for your two favorite indie promotions of all time, Maine's own Limitless Wrestling and Let's Wrestle. My name is Josh Nason, and on this week's show, we're going to look ahead to Crunch Time, the next Limitless Wrestling show coming at you July 23rd. Yeah, we still got a little bit of a break. Yarmouth, Maine coming up late July. We'll talk about some interesting announcements about that that just came up. We're going to look back at last Saturday's Let's Wrestle event in Herman, Maine, and after Randy and I talk, we're going to talk to the author of the definitive book on the first five years of Limitless Wrestling, Mike Labby. We'll talk more about that in a second. But joining me as always is the head of the table for Limitless and Let's Wrestling and the man who will put you right through your goddamn forbidden door, Randy Carver. Randy, say hello to the nice people. Hello, Josh. How's it going today? Things are good. Things are good. It's been, uh, we were talking before, it's been been a while since you and I talked. The podcast we recorded, what, two or three weeks ago, finally dropped last week. And uh, yeah, that you've been, you've been, uh, you hung the door, sign of the door, gone fishing, basically, huh? I know, and I didn't even go fishing, so uh, I, I'm not even living up to the sign. But yeah, it's been a busy few weeks. Um, we're kind of in a summer vacation mode for Limitless Wrestling, but really, all systems go ahead to crunch time. Now we're uh, what three, a little over three weeks away at this point, so mm-hmm. it's closing in, man. And we're getting into Vacation Land Cup season, which. I got to be real. It's my favorite time of the year as we head into the anniversary show as well in September. I think uh, we got a lot of fun things coming down the pipeline. So I'm really looking forward to getting back to Yarmouth, getting back to it. And uh, I got to ask, Josh, I'm just curious. You say your favorite indie wrestling promotions at the top of this, Limitless and Let's Wrestle. Let's put those to the side. What would take the cake for you? No Limitless, no Let's Wrestle. It's got to be EWA, right? In terms of my favorite indie promotion of all time? Yeah. Uh, I mean, on an episode where I am going to talk to the person that sat next to me for many a show as the timekeeper and the man that rang the bell, uh, Michael Labby, I think I'd have to say the EWA, right? I mean, <laughs> it was uh, that was that was my intro to to into working in the indies, and yeah, I mean, I always always have a, a soft spot in my soft spot in my heart for uh, the some of the yeah, it's just it was, that was that was a really kind of fun time because I had no. You know, you, you follow wrestling from the outside and then you kind of get inside of it a little bit and you kind of meet a lot of interesting people and kind of understand how things work. That was, uh, yeah, so I always have, a, always have a place in my heart, I would say. Yeah, so I, f- I feel like that's the same with me and IWE is uh, you just have that place in your heart for it because it's, uh, you know, where you started, where you got your feet wet and uh, probably where you learned a lot about the business of professional wrestling. You know what I mean? It's It's pretty cool. If you had to go back to your your first like days in in IWE and Grand, you were I think what sixteen at the time or eighteen something like that, right? Yeah, I think I was uh, a fresh sixteen year old when I broke in. If you had, if you could do the thing where you like today, Randy Carver, go back and tell that Randy Carver uh, something about uh, the Indies or that that something different to do or something to know, what would you tell him? Honestly. Uh... I would just say uh, take more pictures and enjoy it a little more because uh, I look back at like the first couple of years and it's just, I miss that time frame a lot. Like I think it's some of the best times that you'll have when you first break in and the guys that you break in with um, the experiences that you have when you're just really trying to learn everything and uh, going to uh, going to these random shows at the Dexter Moosehead trail motor lodge or the Island falls municipal building or, just all these like random shows in towns that you would never see again. Um, I don't know, just to take it in a little more because, uh, you know, a couple years later, I was never doing those drives again. And, you know, some of the people who were on those shows or who 
you rode the roads with, so to speak, are now gone. You know what I mean? So uh, I just uh, I think they're really, uh, really interesting times when you first break in and you're, you're finding such like a camaraderie with the people that you're around. And uh, it's all different types of people. It's just crazy. Like looking back as a 16 year old kid, um, you know, being looked out for and embraced by that group of people was really cool. And I think it means a lot to me. So uh, I don't know. I would uh, I would definitely say to also shut my mouth a little more. I used to think that I <laughs> I thought I knew it all really at, uh, you know, 17, 18 and would speak my mind a little more than uh, I probably would now. Uh, I'd probably be embarrassed at some of the things that I used to say, but uh, that, you know, we grow, we live and we learn. So I don't know. As uh, I love those like formative years and it's not even decided you like there, there were some, uh, you know, other independents around the main area. I, I still love to go to the Larry Huntley shows because that feels like a little piece of my first year in the business, so to speak. And it kind of still remains. And now a lot of the students from the Limitless Wrestling Dojo, they get to go do those shows for Larry Huntley and kind of get that slice of what main wrestling was like back in like 2012, 2013. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's really cool. Yeah, a friend of mine uh, posts pictures all the time of going to those shows when they come around. And he's a big Tony Atlas fan. And he's, you know, he's not a... Um, He's not a, like an indie wrestling fan, but he's like a, like the fair shows, like those type of shows, you know what I mean? Like just the, um, you know, you're not going in there like wanting like, you know, four or five star matches or anything like that. You're just looking to take your kids and, and kind of have a fun time. Yeah. The family. I'm going to one of those, uh, 4th of July, uh, wow. Clayton fair with Tony Atlas. So it's just, <laughs> yes. it's, it's bizarre, dude. Tony that's his bread and butter, man, is these like Springfield fair Brooks fair shows. You got a WWE hall of famer in the house. People lose their noodle. Uh, yeah, those are fun, man. Especially that, that's the kind of kid, like, uh, the, the show to take your kids to, too, is like a, like a fair show to just have an enjoyable time, see some fun stuff that you don't have to think much about it. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. You could do, I'm sure you have all, us, you know, figured out, but you could do for a VLC qualifier, which we're going to talk about in a minute. You could do Tony Atlas versus Gangrel. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, t- Tony's not too far from the Yarmouth Ambets. I think it's going to have to happen eventually. Imagine if he just like randomly just walked in during a show. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, "Oh, it's part of something." You know what I mean? That'd be very pretty fun. I honestly wouldn't be shocked. I would not be shocked <laughs> if Tony just showed up. Be awesome. Uh, can, we can dream. And we're going to dream ahead for uh, Saturday, July 23rd in Yarmouth, Maine. Crunch time because it is VLC season, as uh, Randy mentioned. It's favorite time of the year and a lot of our favorite times of the year as well. A lot of great memories of the VLC. I'm sure we'll talk about those on uh, future editions of the podcast. But we already had some uh, some big announcements, matches made. But, however, I will say, you know, even though the show is, uh, you know, about a month away, a little bit less than a month away as you're listening to this, Tickets are already, the building's half sold out already for Yarmouth. No big surprise there, but really with, you know, no matches announced, people are buying tickets. So buy yours at LimitlessWrestling.com. And yeah, t- sales are brisk, so I uh, should have a, a great crowd, I'm guessing. It's always a great crowd, but I'm guessing a, another great crowd coming up in just a few weeks. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time, man. And uh, yeah, we're talking off air. I'm not, I'm not used to being at this juncture of the month, uh, having it halfway sold out already, so um definitely uh you know get on it if you want to grab your tickets limitlesswrestling.com slash tickets they're actually shipping this week as the podcast comes out so maybe by the time that you listen to this you might have your tickets in the mail but they're coming at you pretty quick the prize city og alec price and this is 
has to be one of the biggest challenges on this run. And it's been such an impressive run. The most title defenses of any Limitless Wrestling champion. That's been surpassed by Alec Price as he tries to make his climb to beat Anthony Green's 397-day reign. But he's going to have to go through white trash, wonderful beef to do it. And beef, man, so much momentum it feels like going into this match with Alec. Coming back after an injury, it looked like he blew his knee out against Hammerstone in April. It was gnarly, and you can see that clip on the Limitless YouTube if you haven't. And he was able to come back just a few weeks later, defeating former Impact Wrestling superstar Jake something, and he called his shot. He said, if it's Alec, if it's Lindsay, I don't care. I'm next. I want a shot at the championship. He's never had a shot, and now Beef, his first ever shot at Alec Price, comes in the main event of Crunch Time, heading into the Vacation Land Cup. So... Beef could really shake things up going into the anniversary show and start his run on top of Limitless Wrestling. Yeah. So like I said, main event of the night, Alec Price defending the title against Beef. And yeah, you just laid out how we how we got there. We'll talk about more about that in the weeks ahead. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe we get one of these guys on the podcast or anything. It might be kind of fun, huh? That would be fun. Maybe we'll get both. Maybe we'll get both. I'll uh, I'll do some talking to them, but uh, hmm. we'll have to see what we can figure out. So not only is the Limitless Wrestling Championship going to be on on the line on July 23rd, the Let's Wrestle Championship is going to be on the line July 23rd. And this one's been building for quite some time. Uh, Really, you know, things obviously blew up in the past few months. But, you know, again, for people who have been following the storyline, this is uh, this has been building for for a long time. The outlier, Mac Daniels, uh, defending the Let's Wrestle Championship courses. Uh, now good friend brg is going to be in his corner of course they've had their issues before this whole prestigious thing has kind of blown up taking on world-class channing thomas and obviously we saw uh, mac daniels last month shook crew defeated prestigious and there was some uh some shoving going on between mac and brg brg decided to take a powder walk away and then out from the front of the yarmouth Anvets. The returning Chang Thomas after this is you know, a month or so after being laid out, and uh, Chang Thomas raising the title above his head, taking out Mac Daniels, calling his shot, and he's going to get it coming up at the end of July. Two title matches going to be good. Yeah, I'm really excited for this one. This is actually the very first time that the Let's Wrestle Championship has been defended on a Limitless Wrestling show. So, making a little history here is the main attraction, the outlier Mac Daniels, and man, I'm just. Uh, I'm excited to just see Channing cook, so to speak. Like, let's see him, no prestigious, nobody calling the shots for him, no interference on his behalf. Channing can just go out there and wrestle. And we saw a little piece of that, I would say, a couple months ago in the matchup with Anthony Green. But, of course, John Alba reared his ugly head, cost Channing the match, if you're asking me. And now we're going to get the opportunity for Channing to go one-on-one with Mac Daniels, someone who, as you said, this has been building for months there's been contention within prestigious. And now I guess they feel like they've got it all figured out with no Channing Thomas, who really looks like the blue chip prospect of the group. I don't mean to throw any shade in anybody there, but I mean, you've seen the tactics that Mac Daniels has to stoop to, to get a victory BRG. I feel like he's pulled in any direction right now. I feel like they must have something over BRG to keep him in this situation because just like Channing Thomas, I think BRG, a supremely talented wrestler who's in a bad situation right now with Alba and Daniels. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens between those guys in the 23rd. And then we have some vacation land cup qualifying matches uh, in VLC qualifying action. The first time match JD Drake taking on Desmond Cole. This was interesting when I saw this one 
uh, on the uh, on the sheet, Randy, because J.D. Drake, obviously, we know his resume, him making his return to Limitless Wrestling after a few months away, and his his desire to be Limitless Wrestling Championship has never waned. You know, he wants that title. He is willing to keep going after it and go back to the well over and over again. Eventually, you know, you feel at some point he could break through at any time, given the talent that he is. But then he's taking on Desmond Cole, and, and this is Desmond Cole, I believe, his third outing in Limitless. He appeared in that four-way, made his debut, and then last month uh, as well, uh, and ending the uh, the nice streak of Brad Cashew, much to Cashew's dismay. And now he's going to get the biggest opportunity in his Limitless Wrestling career, taking on J.D. Drake, who you know, we've seen that he does not take guys lightly, uh, especially when it comes to, uh, to guys he's faced the first time, young up-and-comers, so to speak. And he's going to have one, uh, a high flyer and an unpredictable guy in Desmond Cole coming up on uh, the 23rd. Yeah, this could be like monumental, I would say, for Desmond Cole and Limitless Wrestling. It could just be a game changer for him um, to not only beat J.D. Drake, someone tenured in Limitless Wrestling, someone with the resume like he has, but to earn himself in the Vacation Land Cup so quickly in his Limitless tenure. Like this, this could be big for him. But I feel like we say that a lot about people who wrestle J.D. Drake. And then they lose. So I don't know. I just look back at like the Love Doug match. I look back at uh, JD and Ichabon, which was very recent for Let's Wrestle. Um, some of these matches where you you almost want to sell yourself on the the nice story of wow, this could be this could be big for the guy, and he could finally like uh, maybe get over the hump here or uh, just lock down, like you said, maybe the biggest victory of his young limitless career, but. Unfortunately, you got J.D. Drake on the other side of the ring, who, like you said, he's looking to get to his second Vacation Land Cup tournament. I think the VLC event itself is a little bit of a thorn in the side of J.D. Drake because we look back at last year, I think that's the closest he ever was to the Limitless Wrestling World Championship when he went one-on-one with Daniel Garcia and what I believe is a match of the year candidate. Uh, came up short there, unfortunately, and now this is the golden ticket back to title contention. This is how you do it, and J.D., Came up short as well a couple months ago in a number one contenders match, which is rival Rip Bison was able to uh, to walk out victorious and unsuccessfully challenged Alec Price. And man, I I, I just feel like this has got to be eating at JD Drake. He's gonna want to get to Alec or Beef or whoever the champion is at the time. Um, and this is the way to do it. You got to earn yourself into the cup. That's the fast track to the championship. So we'll see if he can get it done. Yeah, this will be uh, to be JD's yeah first match in Limitless since March. It's hard to believe we're already almost in uh, July. So yeah, looking forward to that. We'll talk more about that in the weeks ahead. And we have two. Uh, well, we have one definite entrant into a VLC qualifier. Then we have a big decision for another. In one, we have former Limitless Wrestling World Champion uh, Championship Challenger, rather Rip Bison. He's going to be in a VLC qualifier. Well deserved there. And then not so. Usually, you know, with factions, when it comes to tournaments, we see some wrestling. Often, uh, a lot of them will, uh, will try to divide to get opportunities for all of them to be involved and try to uh, crowd the field, so to speak. However, Randy, Art will be involved in the VLC qualifier. However, it's not going to be Ava and uh, Ricky and Aaron Rourke. One of them has to is going to be able to enter the VLC qualifier. Not all three. They couldn't have been happy when this decision came down. Well, uh, I think they tried to do exactly what you just said, Josh. I don't know if you've seen the constant videos that are being put (laughs) online from the art camp, but Uh exactly what they wanted is what you just said. They wanted to divide and conquer this field, and I'm sure that the the ideal outcome of this would have been Ava, Aaron, and Ricky somehow making it to the finals, so it was a three-on-one situation. That's not going to happen, so... 
there's only going to be one member of art that has the opportunity to qualify. So they're not even definitely in. They have to qualify for this, and it's only one. So like you said, it's decision time. And no, this is not us trying to rip art apart, as Ava Everett would say online. Uh, this is just, honestly, we have a lot of mouths to feed here at Limitless Wrestling. We have a lot of people who are worthy of these opportunities to get into the cup. And I actually want to ask you, Josh, because we do have, uh, you know, we've got what, that, that makes it four wrestlers who are in a position right now to qualify for the cup. Who else on this roster right now do you feel like should be in cup contention? Because we do have more qualifiers to put together. Art is, uh, you know, they're coming off, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news to them, but they are coming off a loss here to MSP and Becca. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do think it's fair that only one of them gets a shot to qualify here. Josh, who else do you think fits the bill here? Who else should be in qualification contention? On the entire on the entire Limitless Wrestling roster, you're asking? Yeah, just throw me a couple. Who who immediately comes to mind and you say, okay, like if we got Drake, we got Desmond Cole, we got Ripper, and we got one member of Art, who else in the field of Limitless Wrestling would deserve an opportunity to qualify, in your opinion? The man with one name, Slade. Slade, yeah, I think Slade definitely is uh, got to Un- be contention. Unpredictable. He is on a nice little streak here, and I mean, I, I, I it would just it, be a spectacle. Every match he has is a spectacle when it comes to Limitless. He goes all out. There's never one time where it's just like, eh. Every time it's just like, wow, that that was absolutely insane. So I would definitely say, uh, yeah, I would definitely say Slade. Um, let's see who else here. Can I go over my list? Uh, I mean, Anthony Green. I mean, how how do you not say Anthony Green, right? Former two-time Limitless champion, a former VLC winner. I feel like he has to be involved. I you know I wouldn't mind seeing uh, MSP, maybe some singles action. Uh, seeing those guys. That's been a while. Yeah, yeah, it has been a while. Yeah, and I think sometimes uh, you know it'd be good to get the rust off and see what uh, DK and, and Agro have. They did in singles competition. That could be great. I mean, you have a lot of interesting options here. Um, trying to think of other guys that have been. Or women from the outside of me. Becca just returned. That'd be a good entrant as well. So yeah, I you, will give you, you. I'll give you a little scoop on Becca. Oh, um, she was going to be in a Vacation Land Cup qualifier. However, she's actually going to be based out of the United Kingdom for the month of July. So I see that has uh, effectively taken her out of Cup contention. Mm, interesting. Uh, I mean, someone that's on this card, Masha Slamovich. She's done great in Limitless as of late. So. You have a lot of interesting options here, but yeah, I would say, you know, if I'm going with a, a couple definites, Slade, Slade and AG definitely stand out for sure. That's a fair two. That's a fair two. Mm. Uh, let's see. What else? We, so again, one member, Art, and like I mentioned, Masa Shlamovich is going to be returning to the ring of Limitless Wrestling coming up in the show. And also for her second ever appearance, Lufisto, she's going to be coming back looking to go, uh, looking to, to get a win here in Limitless Wrestling. So yeah, good to see uh, two top female talents returning. I know. Uh, happy that that worked out. And there were a lot of people last time, uh, I feel like some regulars who weren't able to make the show, who were super bummed about not being able to meet Lufisto. So you got your chance coming up July 23rd. Lufisto back in action, like you said. Masha Slamovich back in action. Now, actually, let's let's break a little news on the podcast here. Let's do I'll it. add another name to this card. The God Queen, Delmi XO, mm. is making her return to Limitless Wrestling on this card. Just confirmed today. And she's got a match in mind. So I don't think we'll have to wait too long for that. I think we'll be hearing from Delmi XL very soon. So be on the lookout. 
So the last time we saw Delmi XO, that was at the thrill of it in March. And that was the the, the new look, uh, Delmi XO, new attitude. We had talked about that, the God Queen crying, trying to some, uh, yeah, definitely a new attitude, new uh, new approach to things. Uh, was not victorious or first time out losing to the aforementioned Master Slamovich. And there was a little bit of, little bit of heat afterwards between those two uh in regards to no handshake and everything so yeah it'd be interesting to see what the uh the god queen has up her sleeves coming up on uh late july so anything more to say about the show right now obviously we got you know a month ago but uh anything else the fans should know other than get their tickets yeah i uh i definitely think don't wait on tickets grab them limitlesswrestling.com slash tickets they're going to be sending out this week and uh i think going into this like like we mentioned earlier i think we're going to have a couple more interviews, maybe with some talent on this show going into it and uh, trying a couple of different things with the podcast heading into crunch time. So uh, make sure you like, share, subscribe, and tell a friend about what you're listening to here because uh, we're going to have some neat stuff coming up heading into crunch time and heading into the Vacation Land Cup itself. And bring your Limitless Wrestling podcast signs to the next show as well. Because look, if you're not going to get an announcement, we got to let the people know somehow. Okay. Okay. Gonna go. There, gonna go. Listen, listen, yeah. listen. There, there will be an announcement coming up. I'll, I'll make sure to. <laughs> I'll make sure to get that in the rundown. We, we get it once. Maybe we don't get it the next time, and then, uh, you know, uh, I'm crucified for it here. So, uh, maybe a maybe a sign would help, though. Maybe a sign would help. And maybe maybe a multitude of signs. Maybe uh maybe a little bit of a street team. An army just needs to walk in during a <laughs> match and just start a chant and take over. You know what I mean? I'm just just saying, Randy. Just saying. We got the we got the LW main sign guy Jamie Shaw shout out. I bet I bet he could whip something together. I'm talking about maybe me forming a big LW main uh, a podcast faction, so to speak. How about that? What are you gonna get? Who are you gonna get for the podcast faction? Are you gonna get Drifter, uh, Dylan Nix, some of the guys uh-huh. who listen to this podcast? Yep, all of them. Yeah, all of okay, them. Okay. I'm 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 gonna what they call in the business put them over. I don't know if you've heard that term before. <laughs> okay, yeah. Good luck to you. All right. All right. We'll take it. Well, let's uh, let's look back at last Saturday's Let's Wrestle show. Let's Wrestle Volume 19. Hit him where it hurts, Randy. Coming from Herman, Maine. And this was a show that saw the uh, saw the Limitless Wrestling Championship uh, defended on the card. We'll get to that in a minute. So let's run through the results here real quick. Uh, MSP uh, opening the show, defeating uh, Devin Blaze and Matt Graca. Uh, Eric Johnson making his return, taking on the always dangerous Logan Black. Eric Johnson picking up the victory there in his return to singles action. Jason Maverick, the young upstart, taking on Owen Brody, the Obro, defeating the Obro in singles action. And we also had AG, we just talked about him a minute ago, Anthony Green making his return to Let's Wrestle, defeating the returning Ashley Vox. We haven't seen her in a while uh, in a uh, Limitless Wrestling or a Let's Wrestle ring. And uh, apparently Ashley got injured in this match. Yes, she did. Um, Took a gnarly spill, uh, maybe seven or eight minutes deep in the matchup. Uh, we had no idea that something had gone wrong. Um, there was no indication that she was hurt. Uh, Cause she tough as nails persisted with the match for another, I don't know, five or six minutes and uh, finished the match. Anthony green got the win. And then uh, we quickly realized that, you know, something had gone wrong and Ashley Vox was hurt. And uh, I did want to shout out uh, Landon Hale, who is a, uh, local local wrestler of the scene. He was able to help out Ashley Vox very quickly backstage and um, determined that she would need to go to the hospital, and that she did. Um, we had our student, Mikey Bricks, bring her over to Eastern Maine Medical Center, where she spent most of the evening and the early morning of Sunday. And uh, luckily at the time, uh, it was determined that no surgery was needed and she was going to be 
uh, okay uh, soon enough. It wasn't something super, super serious, but uh, definitely something that, you know, uh, scares you a little bit and, uh, you know, puts it into perspective a little bit. But uh, this was Ashley's return, like you said, after seven months away from the ring. It was an excellent matchup with Anthony Green and just crazy that uh, despite everything that she kept going, um, it was an AC joint issue at the end of the day. And uh, it looks like she's going to be okay. Um, She is going to get a second opinion and uh, go from there. But um, scary moment. But Ashley Vox, uh, uh, some awesome words after the match that we're going to get online very quickly. Just talking about, you know, the hardships of being away and mental health and needing to take a break for you sometimes. And that's exactly what she did. And it seemed like going into this, she was in a really good place. And uh, it sucks that it happened like this. You know what I mean? Because uh, it was crazy to me sitting back and watching that match, knowing that Ashley had been out of the ring for seven months and seeing that she has not lost a step, you know, like Mm -hmm. sometimes people can be away from the ring for a month or two and look like they have never wrestled a day in their life when they hit the ring again. Like, that's just, everybody's so different when it comes to that. And Ashley just, I don't know, dude. She's just incredible. I think she's magic as a wrestler. I think she's an exceptional person as well. And I think that she should uh, be someone who is on television every single week. I just think that there's a magic within her work. And uh, I, I definitely hope that she is planning to stick around and come back and do some more with Limitless Wrestling. And I think that's the truth, but uh, sending her our best right now, our, our well wishes, uh, get well soon, Ashley, and we hope to see you back in the ring very soon. And echo, echo those sentiments as well, and obviously uh, let her know on social media, letting her thinking about her, and hopefully she uh, she wants to come back. That'd be great. Uh, let's see, what else on the card? We have Art, the aforementioned Art, taking on Perry Von Vicious and Maya Malik. Art picking up the victory there. And then the main event of the night, Alec Price defeating Kobe Christ, former uh, Limitless Wrestling, uh, appearing in Limitless Rings before. Alec Price defeating Kobe Christ to retain the Limitless Championship. And I, the show is not up on IWTV as of now, correct? No, uh, I do think probably next week. Any uh, any other notes from the show or anything you want to relay? Uh, I would definitely say uh, your AG Vox and your Alec Price, Kobe Christ matches are a must watch. Really cool to see uh, one of our dojo students really rise to the occasion and Jason Maverick had a really fun match with Owen Brody. Uh, Obro uh, was on the very first Limitless Wrestling show, which I uh, was checking out recently. And uh, it's cool, man, that he's hung around and uh, he's still doing his thing, man, with the syndicate and had a had a fun match here with Jason Maverick. Uh, Talking to year one Limitless guys. Very cool to see Devin Blaze back in the ring, um, teaming with Mike Grasso. Those are a couple guys who were introduced in the uh, world of Limitless Wrestling in the very first year. Actually, Devin Blaze was also one-eighth of the first Limitless Wrestling match along with Owen Brody. So kind of funny how that worked out. But I hadn't seen Devin in quite some time. They had a really fun one with MSP here. Um, And I I was also uh, very impressed just with the Kaizen Wrestling crew, which is Kobe Christ, Mia Malik, and Benoit Grable. really really nice uh respectful crew and they they really rose to the occasion i feel uh kobe's a guy who i really want to get on a limitless wrestling show again uh at some point this year so we'll see what we can do um but uh, definitely go out of your way to check this out when it drops on iwtv volume 19 hit him where it hurts and uh you'll be seeing some of this on youtube as well very soon very good all right let's go on some uh plugs before we uh, get to my interview with mike labby uh, big announcement this week, Randy. You know, we talk about you know forbidden doors and uh, competition, rivalries, all that stuff. 
We have a, a rivalry that has resumed from a couple years ago. Uh, Blitzkrieg out of Connecticut. Blitzkrieg versus Limitless Wrestling 2 happening not just one night, Randy. This is like uh, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, WrestleMania now. Uh, two nights, October 7th and 8th in Enfield, Connecticut. Obviously, that is a, a ways down uh, the road. But uh, what can you tell people about the show so far and, and all that good stuff? Yeah, I'm fired up for this one, man. Uh, we're coming back down to Enfield, Connecticut, the House of Pierogies, same place we were at last time. And this time, it's a two-day war, two-night war, I guess is what it's called. Um, I, I don't really worry about the name. I just know that we're coming down to smack around the Blitzkrieg Pro Crew. We're going to eat all of their pierogies, and it's going to be a great time for Limitless Wrestling and Limitless Wrestling fans. So uh, this is a cool one. To, if you wanted to make a road trip, especially before the weather gets bad, uh, this is the one to hit. And uh, Blitzkrieg has such a unique and fun roster. Like, it's a lot of people who uh, maybe we've seen once or twice in Limitless throughout the years, but they have such a new crew as well who we've never seen. So uh, I'm going to have to start doing my homework in terms of who we're going to send uh, for a crew representing Team Limitless to this event because uh, I ain't coming down there a second time to lose. I mean, it is a competition when we go down there. It's Limitless versus Blitzkrieg. It's not all fun and games. So uh, I'm looking to uh, specifically send down some killers to uh, to rough up the Blitzkrieg Pro crew. So we put it out there earlier this week. I'm curious who should represent a Team Limitless Um Let's say, uh, I don't know, six to ten people who, who would represent and uh, who should go down there bearing the flag and uh, get the job done for Team Limitless because uh, it is going to be a competition between the Limitless Wrestling roster and the Blitzkrieg Pro roster. And then I think night two is going to be a lot of fun capped off with uh, something major. So um, definitely uh, we'll keep everybody posted on ticket information, on any event info for that one. Um, there is no, uh, you know, on sale date currently. I've been asked about that a few times, but uh, we'll let you know as soon as we have everything ironed out. Yeah. So I, I would warn you, Randy, as the head of Limitless Wrestling, that if you have some of these talents that also appear for Blitzkrieg, as you mentioned, that, that may be appearing on Limitless shows between now and then, uh, you got to be careful of double agents, man. We've seen these in, these invasion angles happen so often, and, and promoters just left with their pants down. Didn't see it coming. And you say, you got to be careful. These secret agents, these double agents in the locker room, you, you never know who's going to try to poison the well and try to get Blitzkrieg over on the show. Well, I never leave my pants down, and I always see it coming, Josh. So uh, we ain't going to have to worry about anything there. All right. Good to know. That's that's good. Quote, Randy, I'm going to have for you forever. I, I never have my pants down. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. And for those that have never been to Enfield, Connecticut, it is uh, just over about three and a half hours from uh, Yarmouth and Vets to give you some sort of idea. So if you want to start walking, probably start that in September. If you want to drive yeah. and get there, get there. In um, I did want to mention as well, we are working out a hotel deal um, oh. to make it easier on traveling fans and get a uh, cost effective room, especially with the way that hotel rooms are looking recently. We're going to try to get on that ASAP and get that out there. So if anybody from Maine, anybody from, uh, I don't know, any state, really, because Enfield, Connecticut may be a lot closer to uh, some of our, you know, Southeast fans, so to speak, to drive for it than it would be uh, if we we're in Yarmouth. So uh, I think we're going to have a hotel deal out there for fans and wrestlers alike uh, within the next couple of weeks. Very good. So a lot, a lot of time now, but uh, yeah, look forward to that coming up. It'll be here for you know it, October 7th, 8th in Enfield, Connecticut. Where uh, can people watch the first one on IWTV? Yes, they can. Um, it would actually be under the Blitzkrieg Pro section on IWTV, but you can you can find that or just type in Limitless versus Blitzkrieg 
that was from what was it? Uh, 2019. Yeah, like 2009. That. It would have been November of 2019, I believe. Maybe the very uh, first of November. December first, 2018. December first. Yeah. And this okay. is this is this is at the Old Country Banquet Hall. Is that the same thing as the House of Pierogies? Yes, it is. House of Pierogies, I think, is the dubbed name by everyone who's eaten the pierogies there. But yes, that it is the same venue. It's a very nice venue for professional wrestling. Uh, super comfortable inside. They've got uh, great food and drink and. Uh, easily accessible in terms of parking as well. So it's a great place to be. Interesting. A lot of interesting names from the past on this show. Anthony Green, DJ Z. He's been on uh, Limitless before, Mainstay Posse on the show. Uh, yeah, look at this. Ace Romero, uh, Blitzkrieg. Yeah, took a look. yeah we'll, we'll take more look at this in the, in the months ahead. This will be, uh, be good. Uh, I'll tell yeah, you a funny story about that Ace Romero match real quick. Yeah, let's do it. Um, we, I think we've told this before on the podcast, but it was years ago when we actually covered this show in general, but that match was supposed to be PCO versus Jeff Cannonball. And, uh, I believe that was the weekend in which PCO signed his ring of honor contract. Oh, yes. He was no longer available for the show last minute. Like we did not know it until the morning of the event. Uh, in turn, we had a limitless wrestling event in Portland the night before. No control was scheduled to fly home. And I think this is the one time in his life he has ever missed a flight and he straight up missed the flight and was going to like train at home uh, because he was living in Ohio at the time. And it just worked out that within 15 minutes of that happening, that PCO was unable to make the event. So Ace Romero hitched a ride to Enfield, Connecticut and wrestled Jeff Cannibal on a wild one. And then uh, I believe he did train at home from there. I think he trained home from uh, the Connecticut area and uh, made it back. And what a wild weekend it was. Yeah, that was actually the, so no control was November 30th, 2018. Ace Romero opening the show against Darby Allen. That was my very first Limitless show. That's crazy. What a way yeah. to start too. I, I know. Right. And I was, I was just like, uh, I was just like, who? I've never, I would not heard of Blitzkrieg before at that point. So I was, uh, I, I was completely brand new to, uh, completely brand new to, uh, to the scene. But yeah, that was a, that was a fun show. Main event of a LAX versus JT Dunn and Brody King. That was great. Cause I remember that was Brody King's last show or he signed with ring of honor. Yes, so it yeah, it was, yep. There was, it was, it was that night in the locker room that he let me know. He's like, Hey, uh, I am not going to be able to do anything more after this. I just signed this and they must have they must have signed him and PCO in the same swoop because uh yep. it was the same weekend within 12 hours of each other we found out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember yeah, people love Brody King in Portland. Like they were like he he was like hugely hugely over. He had like that. there was a there was a subsection of people because I remember uh how I originally found out about Brody King was from the local punk scene, which is kind of crazy that they had more of an eye on the indie scene of California than I did. But um there were uh I was plugged into like the punk scene a lot in like two thousand I would say sixteen, seventeen, and everybody was making some noise heading into like twenty eighteen about Brody King from God's Hate because they they followed God's Hate uh religiously and fucking now that this dude was wrestling they wanted to see him up here and sometimes like when those recommendations are given out about hey uh i know this dude who like fronts in this band and he's also a wrestler typically they may not fit the bill of the kind of wrestler that we may bring in um but brody king fit the bill and uh that was just it was pretty cool that uh you know this dude who had such uh 
such deep-seated roots in like the punk scene that so many people in Maine were calling for this dude to come up here and also like he delivered you know what I mean like it just mm-hmm. doesn't always happen like that but Brody uh such a joy to have on shows and I'm, I'm hoping maybe we can do that again sometime good stuff as always, uh, before I get the interview with uh, with Mike, uh, you can watch uh, Limitless on IWTV. Use the promo code Limitless if you're not already. Helps out promotion. Watch uh, all out, you know, hundreds of hours of uh, both Limitless, Limitless shows and also uh, Let's Wrestle shows as well. Uh, Pluto TV. You can check out the first two seasons of The Road for free if you haven't already. And obviously on social media, LWMain on Twitter, Limitless Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Let's Wrestle 207 on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, Randy underscore Carver LW on Twitter. Josh Nason on Twitter. And, of course, LimitlessWrestling.com for all your ticket and merchandise needs. And without further ado, Randy, we're going to say goodbye to you, and we're going to get to my interview with Mike Labby, the author of Limitless Wrestling, The First Five Years. We're going to talk about his travels all over the state, uh, checking out all types of indie wrestling, including Limitless, why he wanted to write the book in the first place, and all kinds of other stuff and we'll also talk a little ewa because he and i used to uh, be with that promotion as well so uh let's get to my interview with mike labby right now well we told you at the beginning of the episode we're gonna have a very special guest he's here mike labby michael j labby you've already oversold it esteemed (laughs) author how dare you how dare you come on uh he is the author of uh, limitless wrestling the first five years literally wrote the book on Limitless Wrestling. You can see him at every, I'd say every Limitless show. Uh, if you're watching, if, if you're watching the show uh, via IWTV, you can see him off to be, a, as I'm looking at a TV, off to the right-hand side, usually always <laughs> at ringside, right next to the entranceway there, as far as I've known him, and also does a, basically hits up like every show in, in Maine and other shows well in the region, and uh, happy to talk to him. And I should mention, Mike, before we start, and I, I believe it says on uh, says on the podcast before, you and I used to be table mates for the Eastern Wrestling Alliance back in like 2000, 2001 era. And yeah. I, I was ring announcer. You were the the timekeeper and, yeah. uh, and, and kind of held things down there. And welcome to the show for the first time, Mike Labby. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, it's a... Uh exciting to uh finally be on the podcast i know uh randy had mentioned it uh quite a while ago to me about it and uh, i was like yeah sure whenever you want to do it and uh we pick a day and he's got a concert <laughs> i know i know so randy and i as you're listening to this randy and i record the first part earlier this afternoon and we're supposed to talk to mike tonight this being tuesday as we're recording this yeah. and he had mentioned uh he forgot his uh a lady in his life had bought him concert tickets tonight someone he really wanted to see at the state theater in portland and he had just remembered uh as of like yesterday or this morning <laughs> that the concert was yeah. tonight so i said i'll talk to my old buddy mike labby it be uh be a good uh good time here so um before so i want i want to get into the book uh people we've obviously people are listening to this podcast they probably have have seen it if not bought it so we'll talk about that in a minute. But you, uh, you know, I, again, we go back to our EWA days. You've been involved in the the indie scene as a fan and, and everything else for a very long time. And you hit up like every single like indie show in Maine and, and all over the place. Wrestling is like it, it's in your DNA, but it's like I think it's maybe deeper in your DNA, deeper than DNA, if that's even possible. It's crazy. You go do you, you love wrestling. Yeah, I'm very passionate about wrestling. My wife once said to me, like, um, so I was having trouble sleeping. So I'm laying in bed and I have an earbud in. I'm looking at my phone and I'm watching wrestling, which I had just watched wrestling like 
all evening on TV downstairs because we had watched like a pay-per-view or something. And she just goes, my God, if everyone loved anything as much as you love wrestling, the world would probably be a better place. She goes, you watch wrestling, you talk to your friends about wrestling, you write about wrestling, mm-hmm. you go to wrestling. Um, so I'm, and I was just like, we've been married eight years. You're just now realizing this. Like, <laughs> um, no, I went to my first indie show in uh, 97. It was EWA's first show. They had every little high school. Um, I, from that point on, I've, I've kept a record of every show I've ever been to with the results of every card I've ever been to. Um, prior to that, I had been to a couple of WWE shows or WWF shows, so I had those results. I was able to pull them up the, the history of WWE. So I do have a running uh, Word document that I keep on my, my Google Drive so I don't ever lose it. It's in the cloud, you know. Uh, with results to every show I've been to because I'm that obsessive about it as well. Yeah. And I have uh, the ticket stub to every show I've been to if they've issued a ticket. So this new digital ticket era is just, I am not a fan of it. Me neither. And the reason, and for that reason, uh, yeah. if I go to, like, I, I'm looking right here over my desk and I have probably about 50 stubs here. I have probably another 100 somewhere else in the house. Everything yeah. I've always gone, because I just, I just want to, like I just I kept him as a kid, and I always yep. wanted to hang on to him as I got older because I wanted to remember all the different stuff I'd been to. And now it's like I forget. I'm like, oh yeah, I went to that show like two years ago because it's on. It's like my Apple Wallet. It's like that's no that's right. no fun. Right. It's like, um, and it's not just wrestling for me. Every ticketed event I've been to, right. my entire life, um, I have the ticket stub for. So it's not just wrestling, it's everything. It's going to see Family of the Opera at the Wank Theater in Boston in 93. It's seeing the Globetrotters in the in the early 2000s. And then again this year with my kids. So mm-hmm. I find that if you do will call tickets, you know, they'll print you a ticket. So I, I now I'm doing will call tickets so I can oh, get that printed ticket. Very smart. Like that's, that's my gimmick, yeah. Uh, you know, with the pandemic, like, oh, we're going all digital. I'm like, lame. You know, <laughs> That's yeah. my memento. I'm 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 cheap, so I'm thrifty. So I don't usually buy souvenirs per se, um, or you know whatnot. But uh, no, I just I, I love professional wrestling. I can't describe it. Can't explain it. Uh, my dad watched wrestling. Um, my dad is definitely not the fan I am. Um, he still watches it today, but just again, he watches WWE. That's his one dimension with professional wrestling. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. But um, when we were when I was a kid, so like I don't have that the first time I saw wrestling or the first time I turned it on TV and I saw you know a wrestler in the ring. I, I don't have that memory because I just always watched it. Yeah, I, I, I similar, and I might have actually talked about it in this on this show before. Maybe it's another one that I think I remember the time generally is it was I think it was like eighty seven or eighty eight. I'm I'm forty four, so it was eighty seven. Yeah, so eighty seven, eighty eight on uh, WPXT. Out of Portland, mm-hmm. Fox Fifty One, trying yep. to get superstars of wrestling on rabbit ears that we had. Yep. That w- and we didn't have cable, so that was it. That or Saturday Night's main event were my only uh, gateways in, and and then it was uh, whatever they had at the local video store. Once they started, you know, once VCRs became big, and once uh, both the local convenience store down the str- down the road, and then the ones that were uh, in in the bigger areas here in the in the Oxford Hills where yep. I grew up. Uh, that was, that was like my gateway into like, Oh my, like Coliseum video and like uh, that. And, and it was just like inject this like right into my veins. I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. My, uh, so my, I was only with my dad every other weekend, but we always rented all the tapes. In fact, I actually remember renting VCRs with my dad because you know, people did that back in the early eighties. I did too. Um, 
But yeah, we would we would rent all the tapes. So I was renting, you know, NWA stuff, you know, Crockett Promotions. I was renting WWF, um, just basically anything wrestling in that category. I was renting it, renting it new, you know, re-renting it. Um, the very first pay-per-view I watched live was WrestleMania Four. Mm-hmm. Um, not in person, but like on pay-per-view. You know what I mean? So like, I remember like it was Sunday. Normally I'd be going home. But for some reason, we left my grandmother's early and then we went to his buddy's house and we go down in the basement. And there's like, I just remember like all these different guys hanging around watching TV. And there's one empty chair in front of the TV. And his buddy Roland's like, you sit here. And that's where I sat. And his wife doted on me all night, you know, because I was that was that was eight years old almost. Uh-huh. So that was a huge memory for me. So that's like my biggest like first like I watched WrestleMania four live on pay-per-view. And I've watched WrestleMania live every year since then. Um, but that's the only pay-per-view we ever got every year was WrestleMania. And then we rent the tapes on the other releases. So yeah, I used and, to, so I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So there was, there are two, two things that, uh, just came to mind. One was, uh, I'll one up you a little bit on your WrestleMania four story. My yeah. dad did not like wrestling. <laughs> at, at <all. laughs> he, he, he tolerated it cause I liked it. Uh, but yeah. it, it was not his thing. However, he did take me to the Portland Expo for the closed circuit viewing of WrestleMania four. Oh, cool. Yeah. The Expo. The Expo. And there was like a, basically just a giant uh, for people that are younger and have never heard of what closed circuit TV is. It basically <laughs> was a, 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 a giant mega projector screen showing a, a show. So basically well, it, yeah. it's like you can go to the movie theaters now to watch like AEW. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like you can like, that's still a thing. So essentially that's kind of like what closed circuit was, except yeah, it wasn't at a movie theater. Like you said, it was at the Portland expo. Yeah. And yeah. so the other thing that came to mind, uh, as you're talking there, um, Oh, WrestleMania four. Oh, now I've lost it. I'll, I'll come back to it. Uh, but yeah. So the, the expo that was, uh, yeah, Maine's had an interesting section. I wanted to ask you about what your what was your first uh, WWF experience in terms of seeing him at the, I assume, probably the Civic Center, or was it like... Uh... Yes. No, it was the Civic Center. So it was June 4th, 1989 at the Cumberland County Civic Center. Okay. We had the first row behind the hockey wall, if you will, on yep. the floor type of thing, yep. uh, right near the entranceway. Um, main event was Hulk Hogan, uh, WWF champion Hulk Hogan, wrestling against uh, Macho King Randy Savage with Sensational Sherry in his corner. Was and, that uh, that was a Macho Man won by countout? Was that a TV taping? Nope, that was not. That was just a house show. Interesting. Show. Okay. Yep. Uh, and that was the true main event. Hogan didn't go on before the mission. That was the true main event. Uh, the rest of the stands on the card that night: uh, the Twin Towers, Russell Demolition, um, Rugged Ronnie Garvin was a referee. He was going through that gimmick where they're making him referee, so he refereed a match that night between I think Bravo and Duggan, uh, but. We got, I got uh, uh, Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hitman Hart in a 20 minute time limit draw. Oh, awesome. And even at 10, because I was almost 10 then, I remember that match just being so tremendously awesome. And I believe that, say, I have one of the, one of the home videos that they did recently. They actually was from the day before when they were in Boston at the Garden and they, and Bret and, uh, and uh, Perfect went 20 minutes on a time limit draw that night. So I do have that uh, on home video. So that's kind of cool for me yeah i try to think i have been i may have been at that show i was at the uh i was at the civic center when they did the taping where um savage first got anointed macho king 
Yes, that was actually, and I'll be honest now when I say I can't remember if that was an episode of Maine's Pro Wrestling History that I did for season three of The Road. Yes. Um, but I remember I did research on it, and it was maybe going to be a future episode because that happened in Portland at the Cumberland County Civic Center where he became the Macho King. It certainly did. That was he a f- won the title there. He did. It was a four-hour taping. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. And, it, and again, it was one of the things about, I think my dad went and he, I think he disappeared for a long stretch of time. <laughs> it was just, yeah. I mean, he had like zero, he was, he was very dedicated to, uh, to this, uh, interest of mine, but yeah, it's, uh, th- those were fun. It, it's very similar. Like y'all go to like an AEW taping now and you know, it, it's long. If you go from dark all the way through uh rampage at the end, it's similar, but it doesn't have that say it, it, the era is different. So it just, it feels oh, different yeah. than the, the TV taping days. Yeah. Well, well, because the TV tapings, them were all essentially, you know, enhancement matches, or as we call them, job guy matches. Yeah. Because um, I did go to one of those, one of their last marathon TV tapings they did in Maine was at the Cumberland County Civic Center. It was August of 95, and I went to that one. And I want to say it was five and a half to six hours long. Wow. Um, you know, we did all kinds of wrestling superstars, wrestling challenge. Um, then they had dark matches for us. Like, we got to see Undertaker versus Papa Shango in a casket match before they had it at WrestleMania that year. I mean, uh, SummerSlam that year. Yep. So, uh, yes, I did. I was fortunate to go to one of those marathon TV tapings uh, yeah. that they do there. And uh, what was the other one? Oh, I went in, I think it was 98. I went to WCW Saturday Night Taping at the Cumberland County Civic Center. Right. And that was another long night of, of uh, rustling as well. They had WCW in Portland? WCW did two house shows in Maine. They went. They did a house show in Bangor. Yeah, I was at that like, one. Yep. And then a couple days later, they came back to Portland, like that for a WCW Saturday Night taping. No kidding. Yeah, like you got Goldberg on the house show up there in Bangor. I did mm-hmm. not go to that, uh, but I went to the WCW Saturday Night taping in in, uh, in Portland. Um, and we got. Uh, I think it was match three of the best of seven between Chris Benoit and and Booker T. Mm-hmm. But like it was the actually the first match they had, but it was the third one they aired, and uh, that was when Dean Malenko had just come back and won the cruiserweight title from from uh, Chris Jericho. So that was his first title defense was that weekend. I think it was against Chavo. Oh, cool. But um, yeah, so I went to WCW Saturday Night taping at the uh, Cumberland County Civic Center. That's awesome. That's awesome. I remember the thing I wanted to bring up earlier, and you were mentioning VCRs. And again, younger listeners are going to be like, "What are you talking about? Uh, did you ever used to dub tapes?" All the time. I did it all the time. When we actually yep. got a VCR, I got the cables, and we I rent one, yep. um, and it just and my parents were like whatever because it was like you know five or ten bucks, but I, I was like if I, why am I going to keep renting these tapes? I can just dub them and have them forever. I remember uh, we used to go. My buddy Jay and I used to do flea marketing a lot, and the Lisbon Falls flea market, which was outside, <laughs> there was a guy there. We just called him Tape Guy. Yeah, because he always had wrestling tapes and they're all dub tapes, you know, so like you would buy. So they weren't that expensive, but we'd go like every other week or whatever it was. And we would buy two or three tapes from him. And like you'd have like a Royal Rumble and a SummerSlam or a Coliseum home video, whatever it was. And then it's a six hour tape. So at the end of it, there would be like maybe a half of a movie or some porn or something (laughs) else of that nature. So like you never knew what else you were going to get. And we would just buy all kinds of tapes from it. And then one day he was like, hey, I'm not going to be here next week. I'm done. And he had like maybe 20 or 30 tapes left. And he just kind of sold them all to us real cheap, like a buck of tape or something like that. Um, but, yeah, we used to have all those. We called them Tape Guy. 
Yep. I, I remember when they, they uh, came out with the eight hour extended, like super extended play. I was, oh, yeah. in, I was in heaven. I'm like, I can fit more shit on here. This is great. <laughs> you and know? Then, yeah. And then as I got older, I would then record things on a slower speed. So that way the quality was a little bit better. Mm. You know, a connoisseur. Um, yeah. Well, and then when we had, when I first got my DVR, I figured out that I could DVR like all of raw. And then I could tape just certain matches that I wanted to keep that I thought liked or whatever. So I could make my own like mixtapes, if you oh, will. There you go. I could pause the DVR, hit record on the VCR, hit play on the DVR. And then, you know what I mean? And just mm-hmm. kind of set it up that way. So I have these weird mixtapes because we were getting Fox, uh, sports and espanol at the time as well and cmml was on that so like i was watching so so i have like you know some tna wwe lucha libre whatever like this oddball mixed vhs tape that i, I made over the years mm. so how did let's uh flip to limitless then so how did i yeah. I, I you know what i want to ask you kind of like you know how did you get into limitless but i mean you were going to shows all the time so was the very first limitless your first show for them or did you go to, did you go to one down the road uh, so to speak i actually did not make it to the first show um because of work i'm a 911 dispatcher mm. um been doing that for 21 years and so uh previously a lot of times that would maybe conflict with my ability to, to go to wrestling because of staffing demands or whatever in our rotating schedule um, but I first heard about Limitless because uh, I met Randy when he was doing ring announcing for the old IWE. Mm-hmm. And we were actually at the Boston Pro Wrestling Marathon. And we were coming back from it. Ra- not Randy. It was me, Mikey, Roy, Josh, and buddies of mine. We were coming back from the uh, the ill-fated Boston Pro Wrestling Marathon. And I, one of, I think it was Roy said, like, hey, you know, Randy, the ring announcer from IWE, he's going to start his own promotion. I was like, no shit, that kid's going to start his own promotion? He's like, yeah. And that was like in March. And then he had his first show that fall, that September. And I wasn't able to go, but I did go to show number two and three and four and five. And I hit about 10 or 11 in a row before I missed one after that. Um, But yeah, so show two was my first show. Mm. So, I mean, so then where, so you've been all these shows. So I know we've talked about on this podcast um, before Randy and I have, and and Randy and and John uh, before that, the main indie scene was like, and especially New England was, you know, it was kind of, we kind of get jealous of like other, other regions because they seem to be having better stuff. It was more family shows here, um, bring old WWF wrestlers back, uh, you know, just a a name and then kind of some, you know, weak stuff underneath. It just wasn't that strong. It wasn't, you know, you're not, it mostly kind of like fair shows, family shows, that type of stuff. So then, you know, Randy's vision was a, a lot different. And I think, uh, I mean, we're talking about it all, you know, six years later, seven years, whatever it's been. Uh, and, and it seems seven to have, years this fall. yeah, seven years. It's, it's, uh, it's worked. <laughs> it's worked. Yeah. We used to talk about that all the time as well. It's like, you know, we would have, um, you'd watch like say PWG. I'm not comparing limitless and PWG. I'm just saying like you had PWG in California, you had beyond down in Rhode Island, you had C4 up in Ottawa. Like you had like all these super indies, if you will, putting on these these banger of a shows. And this is before we had all the streaming capabilities you'd have. So you had YouTube or word of mouth or whatever it was to find out about these shows and everything. Um, and PWG still doesn't stream their stuff like live or recently. They still rely on DVD sales because that's their they don't want to change their business model. I guess right. that's fine. Um, but you had all these super indies. And then in Maine, we had what we had. You know, you had uh, at first, like, okay, 
let's go back a little bit more. The first true independent wrestling promotion in Maine was EWA, because that's the first time you had a people lived in Maine who bought and owned this company and promoted shows in Maine. Prior to that, you just had the Savaldi's ICW coming up here and they're New Jersey based, but they were running shows in Maine, mostly because of Tony Atlas. Right. Or you might have like Yankee Pro do a show or basically like maybe uh, Lobster Man, you know, Costa does a show up here or whatever. But we didn't have an actual people from Maine wrestling promoting shows in Maine um, until, you know, Bob Staples and James St. Jean with, with EWA in 97. That was the birth of independent wrestling in Maine, if you will. And, you know, they struggled at first and then they had a real good run at the Stephen Avenue Armory, you know, where, where you and I met, where mm-hmm. you did the ring announcing and everything. And then when, you know, they sold the company to Heresy and he brought it down to Massachusetts and became Massachusetts based, there really wasn't another promotion up here in Maine. Uh, Tony Atlas ran shows under a bunch of different monikers, you know, Atlas Championship Wrestling, Tony Atlas's USA All-Star Wrestling, and then just All-Star Wrestling or whatever. But there was nothing consistent until uh, you had uh, Rampage Pro up in Bangor and then you had NWH down in like Fairfield Central Maine area. Um, and they both ran consistently for a few years, and then you got IWE. And then you got all kinds of different promotions using all the same guys all the time with just you know a different uh, three-letter acronym for a promotional name, if you will. But what they all consisted of was I went and I paid $10, and if I got one good match, I was happy. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't like, you know, C4 or or, you know, uh, Rampage, uh, Rampage Beyond or PWG or any of these other promotions, you know, the ECWA that or, you know, a New Jersey based. And um, we, we didn't have that. And Randy's vision for wrestling is he wanted to be different. And I'm not going to criticize and say why we didn't have that wrestling, you know, um, because I certainly went to plenty of those shows and was entertained at those shows, but it was more like, well, this is what's available to me. Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm going to watch type of thing. Yeah. Or what I'm going to be, be able to go to reasonably. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, and then Randy brought limitless to Maine and, you know, he, he started out strong. Uh, and then show three, we got Zack Sabre Jr. versus Chris Hero in the main event. And that to me was bonkers. I paid $12 for front row for that show and felt guilty about it after. <laughs> It's you know it's funny we were just talking about that match on uh, on the same show um, because uh, actually was that the show or afterward it, I I can't remember Randy and I were, were were talking today and he mentioned that that show is actually it was it was off air he said that he uh, sometimes gets hit up by um, uh, former talent that has worked there and they just happen to bring up that in training younger students or what have you they will they will bring they watch that match it's kind of like a like a cult type of match in a way that people will, will watch it to show other people. So I was asking because he got hit up by, um, by someone and I was kind of like, well, how do they, how do they hear limitless? This is like a, 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 a big name that has worked elsewhere and they hit him up yeah. and, and whatever. And, uh, and, I'm, I, and he's like, I'm always curious about that. And then you hear about like Zach Saber, the, the Saber junior hero match gets brought up a lot. It's kind of like, would you say it was kind of the match that, um, uh, kind of set, really kind of set forth a, a path for, for Limitless in terms of like, this is what it can be, even though we're quote unquote just in Maine, that we can get the big, big talent just like anyone else can put on good shows? Well, honestly, yes, because prior to this, like you would get some big name talents, if you will, 
come up to do shows here in Maine. And it's like, okay, they're here. Fans are happy to see them. They're kind of going through the motions. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess I don't blame them because there's 50 or 75 people there. So why are they going to risk injuring themselves or do anything more than what they're paid to, you know, paid to do? You know what I mean? Like they're not going to go all out in front of these 50 to 75 fans that are in attendance, mm-hmm. uh, except, you know, Chris Hero and Zack Sabre Jr. They roll in that show. And there was just a different feeling of that show, like, like as it built. You know, as as we're going through it and as the show is building and everything, you know, we got Ace Romero and A.R. Fox open the show and had a unbelievable match. And that was supposed to be the original main event of that show, you know. Um, and then also on that card, like uh, Private Party was on that show. They're in, you know, AEW now. Um, but there was just it was just such a, a very good, very well stacked show. And then Chris Hero and Zack Sabre come out. They wrestled for 25 minutes. They tore it up. And I saw them wrestle multiple times that year alone. Uh, you know, and before that, like, they main evented uh, Battle of Los Angeles at PWG. And the match that they had in Limitless that night was just as good, if not better, than their main event match at PWG. I saw them wrestle a match in progress. Um, that, And again, that show in Limitless was just as good, if not better, than the show they put on you know, in progress. So, like... They went in, they tore it out, and I think it has a lot to do with their work ethic on the show that night helped elevate Limitless because it made people look and go, oh, look at these two guys working their asses off at this show. It must be worth it. What, there must uh, be a reason why. Yeah. What what, uh, what made you decide to write the book? <laughs> um, so I have a blog called The Rustling Insomniac, and I don't write on it as much as I used to because when I worked midnight shift in the dispatch center that's where I got the name Rustling Insomnia because I worked midnights for seven years I was up all night and so when I started I would write posts at night in between calls or during the slow times especially in Maine winters you know the phone's not ringing off the hook all night long but obviously someone needs to be there to answer when someone needs help so I started writing blog posts uh, just to help me stay awake in the past time um, and so for material for my blog, I decided with the pandemic that we were in, I thought it would be interesting to have some stats so I could, um, write some posts about it. So I started compiling the win loss records just so I could have some stats for my blog for some future posts Yep. and having, you know, after starting that win loss record, I got more curious about different things and then one thing led to another, and then I started writing this book. So you, so you start writing the book. When do you approach Randy and say, hey, I'd like to write a book, or I'm writing a book about Limitless? Uh, well, I, I think I had a good portion of it done. Like, I had really kind of dove into the show results. I had the, I had the, the stats section done. I had um, the write-ups for the events. I hadn't started the bios yet. Um, cause I hadn't, wasn't sure I was going to go there. So I just sent Randy like a sample chapter, if you will, and said, Hey, I'm kind of working on something. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't want to like say anything too far in advance. Cause like, I didn't want to want to be these people that, Hey, I'm starting something, but I don't finish it. Right. So I just said, Hey, I'm kind of working on something. I just want to make sure you're okay with it. Um, you know, and I was just like, you can use it if you want, you don't have to. And I sent it to him and he was like, this is awesome. I fucking love it. Keep going. I was like, all right. So, like, I just kept going to town, and I would actually use the podcast as a lot of material to pull, like, some the, – the, 
the tidbits of the show. Like, you know, originally maybe Ethan Page was booked on the show, but he canceled because of injury yeah. or he canceled because of this. Uh, this person replaced him. You know, just have all those little factoids of like, you know, from show one, you know, everything from like, you know, the original venue got canceled. He couldn't find a venue. So he used IWE's venue. Uh, you know, wrestlers like Anthony Green was never supposed to even be on the first show, but because of cancellations, he got on the show. Just things like that. Like, I, the things that I find interesting. So once I started putting together, I kind of mentioned it to him, and he was like, oh, that sounds cool. And then I sent, like I said, I sent him, like, uh, a small portion of what I had written, and he liked it. And then I just kind of kept going, and and then, uh, you know, he graciously sat and talked to me for, like, three hours to answer all kinds of questions I had. Um, and then once I finally had, like, the, uh, the, the printer's copy, if you will, ready, I brought it to him, and he checked it out, and he was just, he said he was blown away. And I was like, all right, well, if you want to sell them or, you know, go ahead. He's like, no, no, man, you sell them. And I was like, all right, well, what do you want for a cut? And he's like, absolutely nothing. I didn't do this work. You did this work. And I was like, oh, okay. Not like I'm making money hand over fist because uh, I don't know. I, I, when I, 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 when I first had them done up, I set the prices I set at because I thought, A, they were reasonable. And it was just a little bit above the printing cost. And I just didn't think anyone would care about them. So I did, I kind of did it for me. Uh, but then response was was pretty outstanding, actually, and very shocking. Um, and I'm very you know flattered and appreciative just how well the book's been received, especially the color edition, which I kind of did for myself because mm -hmm. the printing cost on the cover edition is over thirty dollars for one, um, and that's why on Amazon it's fifty five bucks. And if you buy it on Amazon, I make eighteen cents because I felt setting the price any higher would just be absurd. Yeah. So I set it as low as I could. Um, and then in person, I sell it for 40 because, again, I'm like, no one's going to buy this for 40, but whatever, I'll have a couple on hand. And I, I'm i not saying I've sold more color than black and white, but I've definitely sold way more color than I ever expected I would. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And just real quick, uh, before I forget, I just want to thank Harry, Aaron, and the others uh, who let me use the photos. I gave them all the credit in the back of the book, but, you know, I, I did use a lot of Harry's photos. Um in the book and especially in the color edition the photos really really pop um yeah yeah so i mean if for, for those that have not uh read it yet i mean it you first kind of get it it's a it's a hefty it's a hefty book you know and and it's like kind of like all right this is this is good it's not you know anything flimsy and you can't you know you look through it's not a i would i would not call it a dense read if that makes sense it is it's yes. really it's easy to skim through is the facts you were talking about tons of pictures show posters um and you're right it's those little kind of facts and that's one of the things you know we, we love to kind of talk about um to the extent we can uh, on on this show is the the things of like and kind of asked i was asked randy you know take us behind the curtain what happened on this day and there are some things that you know there that for certain reasons you can't talk about but i'd say 95 percent of stuff he does including you know people that were booked what happened or if there was, you know, people late due to travel issues or this came up or that, you know, there's all types of little things that come up when it comes to, um, to booking an indie show, as you know, and those are things that, that the, the little pebbles in between the big rocks. And that really kind of makes the, you know, makes this book so good. And it makes it a real kind of a true historical document because it's not just about the results, as you know, it's about all the other little things that happen that kind of make the whole framework of the story. 
Yeah, and honestly, I'll be, I'll, you know, the size of the book it is like 440 pages. It just got away from me, like, or whatever <laughs> it is, you know. Like when I first started it, uh, I was just like, all right, I can't. In my mind, I pictured the uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated Almanac and Book of Facts. Um, yep. That's what I, I pictured the book to be, like something similar to that size in nature. For those that remember that, you know, way back then. I certainly do. I, lo- I um, used to love those. Oh, yeah. Those were the best for me. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do show results. I'm going to do the show news. And then I have like the numbers section. And I just thought it was really cool. Like, you know, talking to Randy, like, you know, Limitless wasn't the name of the first company. You know, it was Emerge Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And they even sent me some of the, uh, uh, the, the concept art he had for Emerge Wrestling. Um, and then, you know, how he came up with the idea of limitless wrestling and everything and, and the name of that. And then, I, you know, he also shared with me, you know, some of the early mock-up uh, graphics for the limitless wrestling logo before, you know, he settled on the one he did. So like, I love having all of that aspect in the book because it really does make it more, you know, the, the history of the promotion, the history of, of, this, of, uh, of this promotion here we have in Maine that has really kind of, my opinion... Uh, picked up in a, a worldwide way between yeah. YouTube and IWTV and everything. I mean, I've sold books in uh, Germany, UK, Japan, Mexico, um, Ireland, I guess, technically, France, Spain. So I, I'm shocked at the number of countries where people have ordered the book from through the uh, Amazon marketplace there. the you know I have it over there on the worldwide. The black and white edition is not the color. Yep. Um, because to sell the color one in, in the worldwide market, I'd have to mark the cover price up to like seventy-five dollars. <laughs> I was just not doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have. Um, so it's only pr- it's print now. There's no uh, no Kindle edition, correct? Or, or is there one? I'm forgetting. No, that. there's there's no Kindle edition. There's just the print edition. I've actually thought about possibly doing a hardcover edition, like just a couple, mm. like to give one to Randy, one for myself, because Amazon offers hardcover now. Because I did publish this through the. Uh, the uh, Kindle Publishing Direct, um, but no, I have not made a Kindle version. You know, I I, I made a couple of of mock up books using a, a compilation of some of my old blog posts, uh, just so I could learn how to use the software and the system, including Kindle and everything. And it's a lot of work to make a man put a, a manuscript format together for a print book. And it's not like you can just say, oh, I want to make it a Kindle now. No, you have to go re-back through and reformat the entire thing for Kindle now. Yeah. Um, it's rather, it's not as easy as you would think. Like, it's not just the flip of a switch. It's a lot of work. And so I've never considered doing a, a Kindle version of the book because just I just haven't. Yeah. So, so, with, uh, so obviously when you do, you know, the first five years, We've got to start yeah. thinking about the next five years. Is there a, a sequel plan to this in a few years? You're going to do another one of these, or are we going to have these kind of like the, the pro wrestling almanac in, in our lives forever? Well, I've actually thought about and uh, kind of started working on, um, I guess, trying to make it, make this book again, but change the price point of it, you know, like uh, perhaps try and do, like you said, a wrestling almanac one, like uh, thin the book out a little bit, maybe change the size of it a little bit. Um, and do more of like, here's the history of the promotion. Here's all the show results, but not have all the wrestler bios in it. Like I did in this version, you know, gotcha. the bios kind of started on along the lines of like, um, Hey, like I need to do a bio of like, you know, the top wrestlers in limitless, you know, like the mainstay posse and Alexander Lee and Anthony green and Ace Romero and, and Ashley Vox and everything. And then it's like, but like, 
oh, you know, Brian Myers had one match. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Zack Sabre Jr. and Chris Hero, like, they had matches in Limitless, and, you know, they, they each had the one match in Limitless, and just kind of like everything else. And then the next thing you know, like, now I'm doing a bio for every wrestler that's ever stepped foot in the Limitless ring and putting their win-loss record on there and their nicknames and their height, weight, and their location, you know, their hometown or where they're built from. And I reached out to a lot of wrestlers. And, and at this point, when I decided I was going to do this, that's when I kind of went to Randy and was like, hey, this is what I'm working on. Um, so that way he could like, yeah, this guy's legit. Like if anyone was ever curious, you know, they could contact Randy. He'd be like, yeah, this guy's legit. You know what I mean? Like he's working on this um, because I messaged a ton of people on Twitter, Instagram, email, Facebook, you know, to, hey, will you answer these questions for me and everything so I could try to make this the most complete, accurate book I, I can, you know? Um, and, you know, the number of people that got back to me, um, again, humbling, if you will, as far as, like, they all thought it was cool. No one was like, now nah, I'm not answering you. Um, a couple of people were like, yeah, I'll get back to you, and then they didn't, so I just did the best I could. Mm -hmm. But I became almost a little, like, uh, OCD, if you will, about making sure that it was accurate at the time when it was printed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you, you mentioned earlier, and I wanted to ask you did, uh, some main history for the road season three. You can also see those on, obviously on YouTube as well. Uh, how did those come about? Uh, Randy hit me up and he just said, Hey, uh, would you be interested in doing an on air segment for the road season three? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, he's like, yeah, I was, I'm looking at like, maybe just doing like, you know, mains wrestling history, um, you know, let's, let's brainstorm on this and see what we can do. I was like, Oh, okay. So like I threw one together real quick. Um, just kind of not half assed, but I kind of just like, all right, I wrote something up real quick. And I actually, uh, I stood in my hallway, uh, near my stairwell. So I got my bookcase behind me with all like my books and wrestling collectibles that I have and everything on there. And I just set my phone up on the stairwell, leaning against one of the banner, you know, leaning against the, the, the rail there. And I just recorded myself doing a quick, like, all right. You know, uh, Mike Lavi, welcome to Maine's Wrestling History. And then my topic, which was, um, I think it's so funny. I can't remember, like, the first, like, my demo when I actually did. I think <laughs> it might have been about Sasha Banks or something okay. like that. Uh, because, you know, she wrestled as Mercedes KV in here in Maine, and she won her first wrestling championship in Maine with NWA on fire. I mean, not with, with IWE and everything. Um, but anyhow, so... I think I just threw something together real, real quick. And he was like, oh, I love it. This is perfect. And I was like, oh, okay. And that was pretty much, that was it. So I would put it together. Uh, I would record it uh, in my stairwell. Um, put up, come, you know, put these topics together, record it in my stairwell, send it off to Randy. He would then maybe edit it a little bit or put the music back into it. And uh, that was kind of it. So then I just tried to think of like, all right, what are the air dates of the show? Can I try to relate like, you know, that week to a main wrestling history thing. You yep. know what I mean? Like yep. uh, in March of, of, of in one, like one of the March episodes that aired, like say the week of March 16th, I tried to do the episode that was the uh, uh, EWA's first show. You know what I mean? Um, so things of that nature. So I just started really like I had already kind of dug pretty deep in Maine's wrestling history in the past just for fun. So I kind of dug deeper in there. Um so we could uh, get some real cool, like little footnotes, little unusual things, people, things, you know, that people maybe didn't think about before, 
you know, that's why, you know, did the one on Robbie Ellis and Billy Silverman and Billy Silverman loved it. Like when I first reached out to him and he kind of answered some questions for me or whatever, um, I guess he was a little trepidatious because then once I sent him that, you know, Randy's finished video, he was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, I thought this was just going to be like some stupid thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> but I yeah. can't believe how great this is. Thank you so much. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I was flattered to do it. Um, I absolutely love doing it. Um, you know, if we ever does a show again, I'd be happy to do more. Um, but yeah, that was, that was just a lot of fun for me. What would you say out of all the different, um, unique facts about pro wrestling in Maine through the years, what's, what are for you that really stand out? Like the, the Sasha Banks one, obviously that's a, that's a really interesting one. Are there certain ones where you're just kind of like, you wouldn't believe it until unless I, I I told you type of things. Do you know what I mean? Well, like Maine's first like the, television's first big wrestling star back even before Gorgeous George was Jackie Nichols from Maine, and he was voted wrestling's most popular wrestler two year uh, TV's most popular wrestler two year two years in a row back in the nineteen fifties. Like to me, that's kind of neat. Um, the only ever WWE title change to ever happen in Maine was when Steve Austin surrendered the Intercontinental title to The Rock. And that was in Boston. And that was actually the last time WWE did TV in Maine. Uh, I'm not in Boston. That was in Portland. I mean, that was the last time WWE did TV in Maine. Uh, I think that's interesting. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's so many. Like, I don't know. I, the, the, the fact that the Fairfield Community Center is one of the most prolific wrestling venues in Maine that's held the most wrestling shows in Maine of any other venue with the most different promotions and organizations. And if you look at the list of wrestlers that have wrestled in that building. It's crazy. Like the honky tonk man, uh, Savio Vega, uh, just incredible. Uh, Jerry Lynn, Sanjay Dutt, Mike Bennett, Maria Canellis. I mean, Chris Hamrick, uh, uh, Biff Busick, Drew Gulak. I mean, so many different, uh, Tommaso Ciampa, Eddie Edwards, uh, all the wrestling stars in the world, you know, Anthony green, Mercedes KV, AKA Sasha Banks, that have wrestled in the Fairfield Community Center is mind-boggling to me. <laughs> have a uh, like a plaque on the front of it, like a, a, a some sort of plaque of honor from the pro wrestling community. It'd be nice. I mean, that would that would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, uh, so, in uh, I think the next show I know of that's going to be there is is Larry's running a show there in November, the Thanksgiving weekend. And if if I end up going to that show, it'll be my 60th show at the Fairfield Community Center. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So, but like, to me, that's interesting. Um, Hacksaw, I mean, uh, Macho Man getting crowned Macho King in Portland. Yep. Uh, WWF's first ever ladder match in history was in Portland. Really? Yes. Shawn Michaels and uh, Bret Hart, they wrestled on a house show. It was the first ever ladder match in the WWE. And uh, again, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart were in that match. And it's actually was on, I think it was on Most Unusual Matches home video, a VHS tape. Oh, get that out they of released. Here. Yeah. So, yeah. To me, that's fascinating. Yeah. I love that stuff. It's so, yeah, it's so cool. So cool. Um, what's your favorite match in, uh, favorite match in Limitless history? And what's your favorite event in Limitless history, if you can remember? Oh, man. That's, that is tough. There's been so many amazing matches that kind of stand out. Um, uh, TDT, if you guys aren't aware of Tabernacle Team, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, 
they're they're Canadian. They're out of Canada, so unless they get a visa somehow, we're not going to see them down here again. Uh, but they are such an amazingly awesome tag team. But TDT with Bucks, Belmar, Russell, the mainstay posse in a six-man tag, that was absolutely bonkers, crazy, awesome. Um, such a good match. Such a good match. Um, geez, one of the craziest matches is probably the fans bring the weapons match between Ace Romero and AR Fox. <laughs> yeah, I've heard about that one. Yep. That's freaking wild. Um, Ashley Vox versus Anthony Green at the Portland Club. Holy cow. AG was straight up big time heel. This was Ashley's like star maker moment match, if you will, where her star just exploded. Um, that match is so damn good. Uh, biggest heat matches I've ever seen was MJF versus Ashley Vox, the Westbrook Armory. The, the amount of heat that he had on that match, that was absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, that was outstanding. I mean, there's, there's been so many good matches in, uh, in Limitless. It'd be so hard for me to pick one out because there's so many different great styles. I mean, yep. gun to my head, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Chris Hero. Okay. You know, uh, just a, a technical masterpiece. Dan Moff versus uh, Matthew Justice at the AM Vets Hall in that No Holds Barred match they had on the other end of the spectrum. But again, just an amazing match that the fans loved. So I, it's too hard for me to choose. <laughs> I uh, so yeah the the MGF uh, Ashley Vosk match was one of my easily one of my favorite in yeah. uh, Limitless history just because I'm not a huge fan of intergender and. Yeah. Because it's just it, for me, it's the kind of the suspension of belief is a little bit difficult. That yeah. match, it actually it it worked. <laughs> like yeah. my my suspect, it was it was such a great. I I loved seeing shows there, limitless shows there. It was so much fun. Um, Armory. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now it's gonna be what condos or something like that. Probably. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All the all the old good wrestling venues being taken over. Um. But yeah, that that was great. I uh the workhorseman versus MSP, the first one in the Portland Club. Oh, that um, was outstanding. Unbelievable. Yeah, their second one uh, at the uh, AM Vets Hall was, was phenomenal as well. Um, and then their third one, two out of three falls match they had there a few months later was just as good, mm-hmm. you know. Um, what do you remember about the um, the Portland Expo, the the anniversary show there? And it was obviously the, the biggest show that Limitless has done as a historian and, and, and everything and as a fan. That was a, to me, I mean, that was a, obviously a big moment for, for the company and everything like that. What, what were your perceptions of that show and going into it and then coming out of it? Well, you know, I mean, the show to me, I, I loved it. I loved being at the Expo for pro wrestling. I mean, again, the Expo is one of the oldest venues in Maine for professional wrestling. You know, uh, before WWF came to town at the Expo, you know, we had independence, I guess you could call it back then. Uh, this leads me to saying Babe Ruth refereed matches at the portland expo oh i think i've heard that before yeah wow that's crazy that that was an episode of mains pro wrestling history actually was babe ruth refereed matches at the portland expo or or was going to be um so for limitless to have a show there it's the biggest venue they've run in front of their biggest audience and and you know the show paid off you know you still had that intimate feel you still had the loud crowd that was really into it um, MJF and AG delivered in the main event caliber for a world championship match. Um, you know, we had Dan Moff versus Ace Romero that opened the show and that was just a big boy Haas fight match. And again, that was a tremendous match as well. Um, there's so many good matches on the card. It was definitely stacked and it really paid off. You know, we got the 
Alexander Lee and Brandon Kirk versus Main Street Posse uh, street fight. You know, the combination of their feud that finally paid off. I mean, there's there, there's so many good matches on the show. You know, uh, Teddy Hart and, and uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. is the workhorseman. Yeah, that was great, too. Um, yeah, I just I would love to see him run another expo show. But I understand, you know, post pandemic. There's a lot of rebuilding, not just in Limitless, but in a lot of wrestling promotions, um, you know, to, to rebuild, you know, after the pandemic is over. So I'm hoping someday to see another expo show uh, with another big crowd because it really had that. There was a different feel when you watch the videotape footage of it. There's a, it's got a different look because it's such a, a bigger venue. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a special show. So final question. Um who would you like to see in Limitless? Obviously, you know, the, the universe is endless. But who would you like to see, you know, uh, maybe debut in Limitless? And who would you like to see make a return uh, that you've seen over the years? Whew, man, that's another good one because I I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's so many, like, okay, so we finally got RSP at this last show. He was on the top of my list for a really long time to see RSP come in. Um, I would love to see TDT come back. I would love to see Tabernacle team come back today to not just take on the mainstay posse, but to take on, you know, art, to take on everybody else that, you know, that we have in Limitless uh, for tag team wrestling, if you will. I'd love to see TDT versus Work Horseman live and in, in person. I mean, that would be outstanding. Uh, as far as young talent, uh, I'd love to see Billy Starks up in Limitless someday. Mm-hmm. That would be awesome. I'd love to see Matt Tremont make his, you know, come come to Limitless if he ever decides to come to Limitless. Um, I don't know. Shooting for the stars, I guess. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to see Biff Music make his debut in Limitless finally. There you go. Yeah. You know, we have we haven't had Biff up here ever. You know, especially, and I understand. You know, maybe he's he's booked pretty heavily, but I, I'd love to see Biff back. I mean, we got Dango come back and that was, uh, come, you know, make his debut. And that was kind of cool for me because of watching him back in EWA days and everything to see all that kind of come full circle in Maine. So I don't know. There's just a lot of guys I'd love to see, you yeah. know, Bobby Beverly. Uh, I saw him at, uh, ICW down in Massachusetts back a couple months back. I'd love to see him up in limitless. I'd like to see Atticus Kogar come back. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, there's too many people, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we did get to see Scotty Tuhati. Yeah, we got Scotty Tuhati, you know, this year in Limitless as well. Uh, Lindsay Dorado, of course. That was kind of cool because his last independent wrestling match for going to WWE was at Limitless. And so it's cool to see him back at Limitless. Um, I love that Lufisto finally has, has made her main return. That's right. Yeah, coming back, been- coming back for July. Yeah, come back July 23rd. Uh, there's so many great wrestlers. Uh, so many, let me rephrase it. There's so many great wrestlers out there. You know, Jacob Fatu, I'd love to see him come up here again. You know, not again, but for the first time. Um, I'd love to see the Von Ericks. I, mm. I know maybe they're not as popular as they were, you know, around the world or as their, as their dad was, that is. Uh, but I'd love to see the Von Ericks up here. I mean, that would be outstanding. Um, but there were so many times that Lufisto was advertised to be on shows here in Maine that either she it didn't, either the show didn't happen or she didn't appear on the show or whatever, for whatever reason, um, maybe she had visa issues or there was a bunny issues or whatever it was, 
but to finally see her back in Maine, back on Limitless and everything, to me that was pretty not back at Limitless, but you know, in Limitless first time, to me that was pretty special. Yeah. Um yeah. Who who do you want to see? Oh boy. Um let's see. I'd love to see well, let's see. In terms of coming back, uh Brody King. I'd love to see Brody King come back. I that yep. connect that connection that he had with the with the crowd that uh, the last time he's in uh in uh, limitless yeah essentially the portland club and that tag team match with jt dunn uh right before he signed with ring of honor uh that was yeah. he just there's certain certain people as you know that just really connect yeah. with the, with the that crowd was, yeah um, that was a fantastic show did yeah. you know how randy found out about him like i huh. remember him telling me oh, the story he just he liked his band yes he did yeah he he didn't even know he was a wrestler. He just liked his band. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we were just, I can't remember. We talked so long after the podcast we recorded. We actually, I think he told me that as uh, off air. Where did you say that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, those guys, I think Janela uh, would be would be a lot of fun if yeah. he came with yeah. the right guy. Um, I mean, you look over, I mean, through the years, there's been so many guys. I was just scrolling through results uh, as we we're talking. Like, Ray Phoenix worked a, a limitless oh. show. That's crazy, yeah. right? Yeah, he teamed with AR Fox against Ace and AG. That was a great match. Yeah, there's so many like young guys. Um, you see some of the guys working like the you know the GCW shows. Uh, they'd be they'd be kind of fun, like you know Marcus Mathers has a lot of buzz uh, about him. Um, yeah, that, that'd be an interesting one. There's uh actually I sent Randy a list a while ago. There's that's the thing is like you know with when AEW came in there was a lot of concern in terms of uh, basically are the indies going to be depleted. And I, there's never, and we've heard this before. Sometimes there's dips, you know, when, in, in, when WWE was signing everyone, the AW came yeah. in, there's been some dents, but there's no, the system like, isn't broken. People just emerge. I mean, some of the names you talked about were people we'd never really heard of a couple of years yeah. ago. Right? right. And and it's just, it's just people just ride the wave. They, they figure they get in the business and they figure out how to make things different and interesting and, um, like uh, for example, Effie, I'd love to see Effie make his debut, yep. um, just because such a. Uh, I would love to see uh, Ali Catch and Effie, you know, Bussy against. I don't have you pronounce it. I'm going to say it's Bussy. Yeah. Against uh, MSP. Yeah, that'd be a fun. That'd be a fun tag that'd match. Be head, that could headline the show easy. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this will probably never happen in life, but FTR. I'd love to see FTR. Oh, in of course. Because why the hell not? I love FTR. If they, yeah, um, if, if there was ever going to be a return to the expo, I mean, that's that's a that's yeah. an expo expo that's main event. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Demorest. He just came out of retirement. He oh, wrestled yeah. this past weekend. I'd love to see Demorest back in, in in Limitless. He had a he he's so damn good, and he was up here for I only think he only did the one show, I believe. Um, and it was it was awesome. Um, yeah. You know, even Tim Dodds coming back. You know, he was on he was on show two. He hasn't been back since then. Um, I don't know. I just uh, we have a super indie, if you will, in Maine now, Limitless, going strong for the last near seven years, and uh, I'm I'm grateful that we have it. You know, yeah. I never thought my I never thought I'd have or we would have here in Maine uh, a promotion like Limitless. Uh, which is why I'm a diehard fan, which is why I kind of wrote the book. It was a enjoyable for me because I love wrestling. Um, and I'm just proud and, and happy that I I've made something that helped, you know, um, if it brought more attention to limitless, you know, outstanding. Um, you know, it's tickled me when I see some fans that have bought the, uh, the color copies and they get all the wrestlers to sign it near their name, either their picture yep. or where their bio is. Like I never even considered that, but I've seen a few, few people doing that and I'm just like, Oh wow. Okay. That's really sweet. Um, 
Mark, smart Mark Sterling on the uh, on his podcast over there, the Major Wrestling Figures podcast. He talked about the book on the, on his podcast. Oh no, kidding! Yeah, he picked it up on, on his uh, his weekly accusation accusations. Um, but so, I can't think of the word, but it's <laughs> when you buy stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. It starts with an A, like you know. Uh, but he brought up the Limitless book, and he was just like. He talked about how, like, he looked through it, he read it, he loved it, and the fact that, like, he wishes that they had something like that for Creative Pro. Oh, nice. You know, like a detailed history of their promotion with, like, the, especially what he liked was the factoids of, like, you know, this person was supposed to appear on this show and then didn't because of an injury or a flight issue or they had to cancel or they were double booked or whatever. So they got this is the replacement, you know, and – um so that that tickled me, just you know, to hear him talking about it and, and his little appreciation for those little that little tidbit part of it. So, yeah. Um, to me, it's just big flattering. And yes, uh, I know I'm talking circles, but I am working on a uh, second volume, and it's mostly probably going to be. I'm looking for the beginning of the next year to come out with it, and it's going to be the the almanac style, is how I'm kind of picturing it. But we'll we'll see what we'll see what comes of it. Very good. So for those that want to buy the book, uh, probably the best way is to see you at a Limitless show, correct? Yeah. Uh, the, Randy very graciously allows me to set up on the uh, the gimmick table there. His mom is always leaving me a spot, and uh, I'm always floating around the show. Um, if I'm not standing right there, it's uh, 15 for the black and white, 40 for the color. Uh, you can order them on Amazon if you'd like as well. Uh, but if I do come out with a new one in January, I probably will pull these off Amazon. So yeah. Yeah. And, and you make more money. It helps you out if you buy them in person. Yeah. If you buy them for me, I do make more money on the books. Absolutely. I make, uh, again, not enough to put my kid through college, but enough <laughs> to pay for gas now, apparently to get to the shows. And, yeah, exactly. And, and buy my admission ticket because, uh, I, I still pay for my ticket because a, I want to support, uh, Randy, I want to support Limitless Wrestling, and I'm just a big old mark, and I want to sit in the front row to watch my wrestling. I don't want my my view skewed at all. Exactly. And uh, where can people follow you on social and check out the Wrestling Insomniac and uh, and all the good stuff? Uh, I'm uh, I'm Superstar ML on the Twitter and on the Instagram. Uh, my my blog is theWrestlingInsomniac.com. I have a lot of great uh, archive articles I've written. I think they're great, at least. <laughs> um, I haven't posted as much as I used to because I'm no longer on midnights. I'm the operations manager of the center now. So like, uh, I don't have as much time to write as, uh, as I once did. Um, and then on Facebook, I'm just Mike Labby. Very good. Well, this uh, conversation has been a long time coming. I was glad, uh, glad we were able to make it happen here tonight and, uh, yeah, it won't be the last time you're on the show. Looking forward to it and I look forward to seeing the upcoming shows. I appreciate it. It was nice talking to you as well. Same here. Mike Labby, thanks so much.